I'm Kevin Bachman. On this episode of Background Check Radio, I'm joined by Vince Brote of Informed Data and Les Rosen of Retirement. We're talking all things verifications. Should be a fun listen. Stick around. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Background Check Radio. I am joined by industry legends Les Rosen and Vince Brote. We're going to have a really interesting conversation about all things verifications. Uh, Les and Vince, uh, obviously, most people... Uh, listening here know very well who you guys are, but there might be one or two people on this planet in this industry uh, that don't. Why don't you guys tell your story? How did you fall into this industry? Um, and and then we'll go from there. Well, this is actually, I, I got involved as a retirement hobby. I uh, retired and uh, until my wife told me that uh, we're only married. Uh, <laughs> we the nine to five Monday through Fridays. Um, you know, I need to be out of the house. So, you know, you're married for better, for worse, not for lunch. So I had to do something. I said, well, I'll start a background firm. How hard could that be? And uh, so a little harder than I thought. And so um, I got involved a little early relative to some people and one of the few lawyers in the industry. So I uh, wrote a lot, did a lot of writing and uh, got involved with some of the early conferences and uh, was uh, the, the chair of the committee that uh, steering committee that started NAPBS, not PBSA, and was the first chair. So been involved for a while and wrote the safe hiring manual, uh, eight or 900 pages that will put you to sleep. So anyway, been, been, been around for a while, but it's, it's been a fun second or third career. Vince? Well, I've been around um, background screening for, gosh, close to you know 20 something years. Um, I was able to kind of get in the ground floor early on um, as an intern at an up and coming you know, research firm uh, back then known as like SJD and Associates. Um, and kind of a similar thing with, with Les, I started to really get more involved in the industry and cut my teeth in some of the earlier days of NAPBS, now PBSA. Um, I was uh, privileged enough to lead a committee, uh, the research provider committee for a few years. And um, big shout out to my co-chair from those days, Scott Maloney, who is now uh, the current chair of uh, PBSA. And um, it's kind of funny how we all three of us kind of been involved in that association so much over the years. Um, Coming up on a new conference pretty soon. So um, the last several years, I've just been focusing mostly on sales and growth in the supply chain. Um, Coming up with new innovative ways to get data into the hands of CRAs and tenant screeners and other firms that want to consume people data and um, seen a lot of change over that period of time. And I think some of that's what we're going to touch on today. Yeah, that that those are great stories, guys. Thank you for sharing. I've heard Les's story uh, a couple of times and I always love how he. He pretty consistently, you know, uses the example that like his wife told him he had to do something. He couldn't just be in the house all day. Um, uh, but Vince, you know, you you and I kind of this was our our career path. You know, it certainly wasn't the one that I I planned out. I was either going to stay in radio and television news or, you know, maybe going to baseball play by play in broadcasting and kind of, you know, fell into this industry backwards while finishing up a master's degree. And, and Vince, your, your story is pretty similar as well. I, I mean, I started as a verification specialist. Uh, my current business partner, uh, uh, you know, Jason Morris, I, I remember very vividly, I got 50 cents more an hour because I had a master's degree. Yeah, that was 23 years ago. And, and you know, like you said, um, you know, we probably, the three of us have, 
you know, over 70 years now combined in the space. So uh, we've certainly seen a change a lot in the last few decades. And that's really why I wanted to get the three of us here together to, to talk about, I guess, the, you know, first kind of topic I'd like to, um, you know, I'd like to kick around is, you know, there's been so many advances now, technology, methods, um, operational strategies around fulfillment. Um, you know, Les, you have a, a very interesting backstory with this particular product. How did we do employment and education verifications 30 years ago? What did well, it look like? When I first started, everyone had the same issue and everyone who has a background firm realized very quickly, very early that the most uh, um, expensive part of your business and the least controllable uh, and the most manual was verifications. Um, and early on, this was back in the early 2000s or, or so, um, I basically did a, um, a time and motion study of, of a group of verifiers and watched as they would look at their file and finally make a phone call and then write things down and then get up and use the restroom and then look at the next file and then look at the client requirements. And I realized that the productivity is, was so low that people were actually only on the phone for you know, a few minutes an hour. And uh, I had the realization that we needed to have a software solution for everything a human being did not need to do. And then the company I started with Reference Pro, that was the first, I believe, the first outsourced verification company. And that was sold years ago, so I'm no longer in that industry. We had at one time over 150 CRAs who had Reference Pro do part of their work. And and the, the magic that we try to achieve, and I think other firms have since actually have achieved it to a much better degree, higher degree, um, is to... Uh, use software to manage everything that a human being doesn't have to do uh, in order to have the most efficiency. And, and, and the other problem you have with verifications is that at any given time, you either have too many verifiers or too little. It's never an equilibrium. Um, you, if you have a, an influx of business and you have to bring in new people, you then lose your best verifier to training, which means you're, you've dug even a deeper hole. Uh, around November, December, January, when you hit the doldrums and you can't keep all your verifiers employed, do you uh, reduce your workforce to save money? You know, knowing that in the spring, you're going to have to rehire and retrain. So it was never very efficient. So it, it seemed to me that there, there had to be software and, and other people have taken that and run with it and have come out with tremendous processes uh, in order to allow that to be outsourced. So I, I think the key thing is that uh, the most efficient and effective way to run that part of your business, to, to me at least, uh, is to outsource at least part of it. I mean, ideally, if you don't want to outsource all of it, you can at least say, okay, I can do 200 a day. Keep me in mind that every day a new 200 comes in. And, 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 and yesterday, part of that 200 still is being worked on. And anything above what your team can do, you, there's now firms you can outsource that to. So you can be at a, at a static level. Uh, and then there's still all sorts of issues of quality control. And do you outsource your hard ones, your easy ones? What about your special clients? Uh, you try the best you can to standardize what you offer, but you know every client wants everything in their own particular color or their own particular shade or you. So you, you, you have to fight those battles all the time. But I, I think what's happening now is that we're becoming a lot more efficient uh, in the technology if you do it uh, in-house. And also there's some great outsource solutions that have really mastered uh, auto dialers and, and software processes. So 
it, it just makes it's just so much smarter to outsource as much as you can while retaining quality control and testing and making sure everything is accurate. Vince, what, what's your thoughts? You know, we had the benefit at um, Informed Data, formerly on the SJD side, and even, even wholesale screening too, had the benefit of learning from or going after, you know, less than his venture with Reference Pro and learning that a lot of the modern day call center technology just doesn't come ready out of a box for a lot of the things we do in background screening. So, hey, here are these operating platforms that you can get on, tremendous platforms. Um, I don't want to name drop one or two because the other ones won't, you know, they're, they're all great, but um, those platforms are great for like order management, and fulfillment, and compliance, adherence to FCRA standards, but they're not going to provide you all the things Les just mentioned. So we had a, a good opportunity several years ago to do that and to, you know, bring some of that stuff to market. And it's, it's great. And that was a nice, nice wave. And now what we're seeing on the other side of uh, 2020, COVID-19, the pandemic, all this sort of thing is uh, greater reliance on outsourcing. But now the key word that I'm hearing so much of in the supply chain is deflection. And normally that's not a good thing when you're talking about personal accountability, but when you're talking about deflecting things away from certain third-party sources that cost a lot of money, you can deflect away. So yeah, I wanna do a certain amount per day, I'm gonna outsource the rest, but now I have these other software-based or alternative source methods where I can deflect away from a manual phone call. I can deflect away from a third-party source that charges a large fee. And I can just use as much technology as possible. And for people like ourselves who have been around, this was never possible even five years ago, 15 years ago, it wasn't even imaginable. And now that's where things are. So it really creates a question of, um, you know, how do you want to run this part of your business? I think Les, you mentioned it's like the long pole of the tent. It takes forever. It's the most costly. It doesn't have to be anymore if you want to embrace some of these new things. But now you've got to be a really skilled operator in three areas, not just one, which was the manual and the calling. Now you've got to know your outsourcing strategy and your deflection strategy. So it's gotten maybe more efficient, but at the same time, more complex. That's what I'm seeing these days. Man, I, I love how you guys laid that out. And this is one of the most fun things about what I get to do is, is conversations like this. Um, it, there, there, there's so much that I think has not only changed, but really starting, you know, the three of us, we're just thinking differently about. Um, I've done a complete 180 going from inside of a CRA to outside of a CRA now when it comes to do you do the work inside your building or do you what I call the find a friend model. Um, I used to feel, man, we want to control it. We want to be able to handle the nuances. Three clients want it three different ways, like Les just said. We'll deal with the... Um, uh, the variability in volume and staff and turnover and our best verifier left, uh, our new verifier quit, or, you know, like just the, that stuff. And and I can tell you inside of a CRA, our CRA, we did that really well and it was still really hard. On the outside looking in, some CRAs either don't have the capability, no judgment, or or the desire to do it. The, the way that I might have really, really promoted years ago. Um, so I've completely re reshaped my, my opinion. I like to say, you know, I'll change my mind if facts and data tell me to. 
and they sure have with regard to this. Um, you know, 20 years ago, we all had the spreadsheet and it's like, oh, Apple, call 1-800-APPLE. Ask for Joan in HR. And we all typed that into our little spreadsheet and printed it out for our people. And and the, the world's so much different now. You know, Les mentioned that the auto dialers, the technology, deflection, Vince. I love that word. I, I actually, I hadn't heard that word before, but that's exactly what it is. We used to have a binary choice. The binary choice would be we pick up the phone or send a fax like we do it manually, or we use the work number. Well, now it's not that. It's you pick up the phone or you don't. You use the work number, you don't. Do you use an Argyle or a True or, you know, a payroll solution? You know, so we've gone from really two choices to like four or five different choices. And it's really, really interesting to kind of observe it in our space. And and I really, uh, Vince's comment that uh, the software, I mean, a lot of background firms, you can build your own software or you can use software that some outstanding software is provided at the industry, but that software really doesn't uh, dig deep into what you need for a verification process. It doesn't, for example, it, when you have a new operator, you want to put them on what we used to call an operator queue where they got the simple calls, usually the first, the first contact. So they didn't have to make decisions. They could be productive right away. Well, that takes specialized software or you want to be able to, um, uh, make sure that you've established verifying party, you know, you know, basic rule of background screening, you never take the applicant's word for anything, right? So you don't assume because the applicant told you that this company is here, or that's their phone number, that that company exists, or that's the right phone number. So you want you want to establish verifying party. Well, through software, you, you can do that sort of things now. And then when you outsource it further to firms that specialize in that, makes it even easier. And it allows you to do things such as giving each client, you hate to do it, you, you, you hate to give, have, have, have too many different variables, but clients want their own version of things. Um, and so client, so you might have a background firm with with several hundred clients and, and, and of those several hundred clients, they all, clients want things done different ways. And the software can sort that all out. Um, and, and so your verifier can immediately know what to do. So. Uh, you know, it's, it's all software driven. So there's really not a really good reason to do uh, screening or do verifications in house anymore. You know, maybe have a few people. The only downside is that for a lot of firms, their, their customer service uh, folks or the people they promote start off as verifiers. I think you mentioned you were a verifier. So you, you lose that kind of, that's kind of been the historical entry. Um, so it may, may be helpful. They have a few verifiers in house, but for the most part, you want to control your costs and not have overtime because when you're busy, suddenly you're paying huge amounts of overtime. And if you're not busy, you're paying huge amounts of money for people who aren't really working that hard, right? There's nothing to do. So you really got to even out those costs. And the more you can outsource uh, with quality control, the better off you are. And I think that a lot of what's happened today with third party fees, it's, it's forcing people to evaluate those costs differently less. Like I remember. Um, when we first launched that service and you know with the software we have we would we talk to customers and it was great talking to you know uh, your team members at the time they all got it there were some folks who would say well i'm not sure if i can really afford to outsource what you're charging seems to be so much more and we'd say really that seems you know what's what's going on what what do you have that's so unique or so you must have your own technology and i think the approach was let me just divide my daily incoming volume by my staff number or my payroll. Yes. Some very basic algebraic yep. approach. Yep. Right. You can do any of the things you mentioned, or what about PTO? 
What about the supervisor salary or a manager salary? What about time that they're, you know, going to the bathroom or, you know, they're not productive that, that time. And I think it's really forced people to take a look inward, especially with pandemic and other things to go, okay, what's my true cost per unit right now? I'm spending all this time, effort, and energy managing this. Am I making any margin on this part of my service? What do I need to do? And a lot of CRAs have looked at that as a path to maybe not so much cost savings, but, but cost right-sizing and going, well, if I'm going to be spending this money, I'm not going to carry all the additional labor, cost of benefits and all that with it. I'm only going to pay for what I need to consume. And then I can deflect away for all the rest because now there are all these uh, software repositories, third-party systems and consumer permission-based and IRS-based data that just simply wasn't around eight or nine years ago or longer when we were all coming up and this was the yeah. entry path, so to speak. It's it been such a great very, very different having those conversations now than it was in 2019, which wasn't that long ago, but boy, it sure feels like it was. Yeah, at the old reference where we talked to people and they would do exactly that. They would take their payroll and divide that by the number of completes and say, well, my cost is $5.20 per verification. And, it, and, it, and we knew that was total nonsense. It was probably more like 10 or 15 because you're talking about all the overhead they're carrying and the management fees and the training and the downtime. Um, and, and if you do true costs, end of day costs, or you do you, a cost analysis based upon comparing the two models, the true cost for most background firms is probably two to three times what they think it is. Um, and, 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 and that's, it's dangerous not to really know your numbers because you're, then your pricing tool is off and then you wonder yep. why we're not getting a good EBITDA and that's because you're giving away verifications at, at a loss and, and, and there are no reason for verifications to be a loss leader. And, and, and I, I see the complete range of options through our space. You know, there, there are some shops that will call once and slam that door. We're yeah. done. There are others that will call every day for three weeks and then wonder why they're not making a buck. <laughs> I, yeah. I, you know, I, I often call it, um, you know, I love Vince's use of deflection. I, I say something often and I, I say accommodate, negotiate or impose. OK, you want all these special processes and, and keep it open until et cetera. OK, maybe we can accommodate that because there's value and there's enough margin in the other products. I agree. This is a very low margin product. Maybe we negotiate. Okay, well, if you want that, it's going to cost you X. If you don't, it's going to cost you Y. And if the client makes a choice, oh, well, that's not that important. We don't we don't want to pay the extra for it. Okay, well, you made the decision. Yeah, I'm not the bad guy. It's okay. Uh, or you just impose. <laughs> and you're like, no, nah, I can't do that. I mean, I don't know, Vince, what your experience is, but historically, my experience has been that after three uh, solid attempts, a solid attempt, that means Agreed. you're actually going to hold us up. Something really happened. Um, the, the, the law of diminishing returns is your chances of getting anything just falls off a cliff. Three attempts, three solid attempts, and you're done. Uh, you, you know, the, 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 the return on, on attempts four and five is next to zero. Um, but with, with good software, you can do that. With good software, you can manage those attempts. You can manage what each client wants. One of the good developments over the past 20 years is that, in part because of fair chance hiring, where you now have to make... Uh, 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 job offers, a modified job offer before you can do the criminal check, is, is that people are no longer asking background firms who are basically are using a call center environment uh, to do reference checks. Because there's a big difference between a reference yep. check and a verification. A reference yep. check, how did the person do? And and who 
wants to have some uh, call center worker who's, you know, make a, a, a sophisticated HR evaluation. You can't. It's, it's no one they know. They don't know your job. They don't know anything about it. But what we can do, our value is that we can verify the person had the employers they said at the times they said. And so I, I think employers have finally got it that our service as an industry is really uh, ideally used post uh, uh, employment decision making uh, for verification only, not not for references. Uh, and, Wait, and we no longer accept for salary. Yeah, are, are, are you saying that there's very little value in somebody in a call center asking for the 27th time today? Uh, did so-and-so get along with their coworkers? Yeah, exactly, because it's useless information. And and it used to be that some recruiters would want to uh, have the background company do their job for them. Well, we can't evaluate whether a person is a good fit. We can evaluate, you know, as they used to say in the old show, Dragnet, just the facts, or ma'am. We, we, we can you know, tell you where they worked and when and and, and maybe what their job title was. Can, you know, salary is probably out now. There's enough states that have salary prohibitions that it's probably best to have a national rule that, that we no longer ask for salary because it's hard to keep track of which states allow it or don't allow it and then which state law applies because it depends where the applicant lives and where the job occurs. So probably our best practice is to no longer ask for salary at all. Um, but at least now um, the, the employers understand that a background check firm using a, in a call center environment is just verifying start date, end date, job title. Yeah, that's, that's a great, that's a great segue. And, and Vince, I, I'd love your thoughts on, you know, it, what is, in, in your opinion, the value of verifications? And there's a part two to that. But, you know, what, like, what's it good for? And, and has that changed over the last 20 years? Yeah, some people have, you know, flirted with the idea of, you know, they're just not going to offer verifications anymore. So, um, you know, they're going to say, well, the fees are too high, costs are too high, you know, it's not worth the trouble to do it. So is it really worth, you know, going through all the trouble of managing this and setting this up? Some of that's cost driven, you know, not, not necessarily the internal cost dynamic, but more of a, what does it cost to get access to the data? But in this day and age, you know, um, I think, and I don't want to be much of a futurist, that's not necessarily what I'm good at, but you notice how even like LinkedIn, they're starting to show like a verification element yes. of the job history yes. on there. And you're starting to see more uh, consumer-based permission where they're owning more of the data. Are we getting to a world where, you know, us in background screening and, and CRAs, we're not really the gatekeepers of that information anymore? We're not really the verifiers or the watchmen that that, that prove things. It, it may go more towards consumers um, or straight to, you know, other places. I mean, this is incredibly valuable data where someone's worked and their salary. Who knows if people are going to realize how much value in the data that they have. I think consumers have, but I don't know if, if, um, if we're quite there yet. Well, I, I have uh, spoken at, at SHRM, either SHRM Management or SHRM National, Probably every year. They all blend year. together, right, Les? Yeah, yeah. One of the yeah, they all blend together. At least one of them, if not both. And and I make the and point. For, for someone who's retired, Les, you spend a lot of time talking about background checks. Well, <laughs> and going to shows and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I might be done with that, but um, but but I've I've been making the point for years that a uh, employment verification is just as important, and now if it's not more important than a criminal record check. And so saying you're not going to offer employment verification 
it reminds me, and because it's too hard, it, it kind of reminds me of the scene in Godfather 3 where, where Michael says, yes, they're trying to kill me, but this is the life we chose. I, I, I mean, you can't, an employer cannot demonstrate due diligence without verifying where a person has been and basically to eliminate unexplained employment gaps. And particularly with the restrictions on criminal records, uh, you employers need a barometer of risk, right? I mean, we're, we're basically in the risk mitigation business. And if criminal records are being encumbered, you can't get date of birth or they're getting harder to use, what is the next barometer of risk? Well, it's going to be uh, employment history. And, and it may be unfair because not everyone leaves their a job on a Friday, starts a new one on a Monday. But if you have long, unexplained employment gaps, that's a red flag that you should look at. You need to do it carefully so it's not, it's not in a discriminatory way. But I think employment history is, is where the, the new value is and to be able to um, uh, validate and verify. Now, it may not come from us. As Vince points out, there's lots, of, lots and lots of gatekeepers of that information and there's more we can talk about. But that has to be part of an overall report because an employer needs to know, well, did a person really work there? Uh, and it also goes to their identity and, and are they really who they say they are? But, but I, I think it's, um, you know, we're, we're getting to the point now where that uh, if we're talking about a risk barometer, that employment history is where it's going to be increasingly where it's at. And I think employment history uh, is, is more important. If you just want to be a public record provider, it, you know, that's, you know, much, much easier, but who says you're not going to do as well if you just pick the easy route that everyone can do. Less that, that, that opinion really surprised me. Now it doesn't mean I disagree with it. I, I love the opinion. It surprised me because I, I think your thoughts are reflective of really the, the, the contradictions that we're, that we're seeing in our space. You know, everything you just said, um, valuable at $10 or whatever your internal cost structure is. But more and more, this data is accessed through third parties, whether it's the work number, again, Argyle, Truve, whatever. Um, and I've I've been very transparent, you know, over the years. My business partner, Jason Morris, has a relationship with with Truve. I have a relationship with with Argyle. Um, but it's it's like, you know, that six months of employment history six years ago at Taco Bell, when that data used to cost five, 10, 15 dollars, okay whatever we move on when it costs 50 75 100 dollars is that value still there and i think less you would probably say in vince as well in the aggregate like or or, or you know the 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 one in a hundred one in a thousand times where that is very very important but buyers may say well 999 times it isn't i gotta make a decision so when we think of just the cost structure and the increasing costs of acquiring this data as, as a screener, it's sad for me to see, I think, a lot of people kind of making the opposite choice and in, in, in going against what you would just recommend. I think well, that stinks. Yeah, and now I'll, 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 I don't want to jump in and Vince, I will hear Vince after this. But what, um, first of all, you have to keep in mind that even though we in the industry live at the and breathe background screening, our clients don't. We're just one process yeah. among 100. And, you know, yes, maybe some of the larger clients will do some cost accounting and realize, oh, we're paying a lot more. But your average client, you know, it's just another process. It's a cost pass through. Any other background firm will have the same cost structure through third party. So I, I don't think it's as driven as we think it is. And and the, the, the important point in terms of employment um, 
is that we we have to be able to you know at the end of the day what what are we offering clients we're offering peace of mind and and how do you offer peace of mind if they don't know the applicants for real and where they've worked and where they've been so I I, I think that you know at the, at the end of the day it's all value and and the client will explain and um and and the value to the client you know you have to remember from the client's viewpoint uh, you, you look at any firm in America and their number one item on their budget or number two is is human capital not not only payroll but acquisition and, and benefits and so forth and so we are the only thing that really validates their single largest investment um so I, i'm not sure you know I, you know if clients think about it they probably don't love paying you know large third-party fees and and i think those will come down i'll, I'll give you my reason in a few minutes if you, if you want to talk about that but um, I, I think, you know, eventually the market decides. And I think clients um, and employers, yeah. you know, they get hit with one negligent hiring lawsuit or one threat or one lawyer letter. And suddenly the, the cost of doing verifications is pretty minimal compared to, you know, the cost of being hit with a bad headline and, and a million dollar verdict and we're higher insurance. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and you have to kind of do an end of the day analysis. And most employers said, look, we don't want problems. We, we want to you know, hire good people. We want to go about and do our business. We, we want to you know, filter out the, you know, any bad actors. And if it costs a little bit more than most employers, not all, uh, we'll do it. Vince, I don't know. See what your thoughts are. I don't know if I've heard talk of like you're pointing about, you know, fees could possibly be coming down. Um, because access opens up, it drives more competition, and therefore people are going to realize there's more sources out there. I'm just wondering if it would take something with critical mass or something that was really big or really large. And you and I have talked offline over the years about um, is there a way to finally get these contributory databases, these, you know, we've all got data, we've all verified it. If we just find a way to put it all together, we could have this amazing you know, shared co-op, you know, coalition database. Um, and if, what's it going to take for that to finally get off the ground and get going would be the big question. If something like that were to happen um, and more people, you know, were to contribute to that, then I think there would be pressure to reduce some of the fees tied to these accessing the data because there'd be more points of access. Um, I know that First Advantage has one that they're promoting openly. Um, I think there's a couple others that are kind of near that, so I won't, won't speak on that. We tried to do the same thing in the supply chain um, with some success. We're still open to it. It's just a question of you, you've got to get those first two or three people to kind of just trust yeah. it and go, okay, we're going to do this. Let's do this. Um, I also think it's an opportunity without coming across like it's some elevator pitch, but it's an opportunity for those who have the data to monetize it. Some people just have all this data and the difference between criminal records and people don't, you know, don't want to do shared databases and verification is these applicants, they want you to verify that they work somewhere yeah. and they want you to verify that they got that diploma so they can get that extra 50 cents with that master's degree, Kevin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they don't want you to find that criminal record. They don't want you to find that. So there's a lot of secrecy and there's a lot of different nuances around that. Um, applicants, I think, would love the thought that, yes, we're sharing that data and we're repurposing that data. We're making it easier 
for people to find the data on you that you want found about yourself. Right. That to me, that's the real big value add is it's, it's consumer-based value add. And yeah, there's an opportunity to monetize the data too. Um, but that's what I think it would take to get some of these third-party fees to calm down a little bit. I think um, I think the really funny offbeat saying I'm hearing all the kids use these days to make myself sound cool is like, um, you know, ma'am, we're in a Wendy's. You know, calm down with all that. And I think some of these third-party fees, it's like, hey, we're in we're in background screening. We're we're not sitting on ninety percent EBITDA rates. Like that's not what this is about. No one has this this these funds to get access to this data. So maybe cool it a little bit. I think the best way to do that would be saying, oh, well, there's another way of verifying that. There's another way of deflecting away from that. Yeah. I really do think that's going to be the big the big term, the big thing people look at in 2024. They go, okay, all these you know minimum wages going up. And it's harder to find people and it's harder to get people back to work and attrition rates are going up and I don't want to have to staff up for peaks. How do I deflect away from hiring? How do I deflect away from these, these, you know, in some people's opinion, egregious fees? Um, That'll, that'll be what really ultimately drives it down. It's probably going into next year, what people want to do about it. Yeah, I, I'll I mean a little bit of history, ancient history in 2007 reference pro when I was still involved, uh, made a pretty good stab at a contributory database with a number of firms. And then the 2007, 2008 recession hit and further bought and sold. But we went pretty down far on the road with the, with the uh, screening firms having a contributory database and outlining the software involved and getting people interested. Um, the problem with that has now become privacy in that we, you know, my, my view is that it's a real issue that, that you would have to redo all your client agreements and redo all your consents. Cause I think, the employer who pays you to get the initial employment has to agree that you can reuse that with, because you got it on their dime. And and the new privacy laws, applicants would have to agree. And we tried back in 2001, we had a site called My Job History where it was applicant control data, where the applicants can create their own vols. And we just found there wasn't a lot of traction. Um, that It sounds like a great idea to us, but not to applicants. I, and I think what will happen, I know we're, we want to wrap this up pretty soon, but I, I, I think as the cost gets higher and the opportunity gets higher, firms that have the ability to do this will say, hey, we, we can get involved in that market too. So the other credit other credit bureaus might say, we, we can do this and it will help our other lines of business. Payroll companies might wake up and say, hey, our, our stuff is being monetized and repurposed. What are we, shop deliver? Why don't we do it? They, they could usually compete. Um, the IRS could open up. Uh, there's if, if all the 50 states know exactly where everyone worked and when because they have state insurance funds. The workers' compensation industry knows where we all work. So this data exists all over. Um, it, it's just a matter of getting it out. And, and I think that if um, whoever sits on that data, the more they charge, the more incentive they create for other people. So that's why I think it will equal out. I mean, at some point, the, the charge will be high enough for other people to say, hey, me too. And then it'll go the other way. There'll be some competition. So, you know, I, I, I think it'll be self-solving. I think the market will solve it. So or, it, it, I hope. this is a wonderful conversation. You know, even even last couple of minutes, I've, I've done more listening than talking. You know, we uh, you know, we tend to outline a couple of bullet points of things we want to cover. But I think the beauty of doing uh, something like this is we don't know. What, what each other is going to say. Uh, we really don't plan and script these out. So uh, I, I've heard a number of really, really valuable things that I think everybody listening 
will certainly benefit from as as, as well. Um, final thoughts, guys. Um, the joke we made before we pressed record is the three of us could literally talk for hours. The world does not want to hear that. They want to get out in like 36 minutes. And <laughs> that's kind of about where we are right now. But, um, you know, final thoughts or things you're you're looking for um, heading into PBSA? Well, my, my only final thought, and I'll turn over to Vince, is that um, verifications, if done right, is not a loss leader. It's not a necessary evil. It should be a profit center. And uh, and if it isn't, then you need to look uh, very closely at how, how you're doing it and why it isn't. And and uh, I think outsourcing it would be a big part of that strategy. Vince? Yeah, right on. Right on with that. I think you look at a lot of um, really successful companies, not just in background screening, but even like Apple, um, they outsource almost everything they can and try to control that cost. Um, final thoughts for me heading into PBSA in just a few short weeks. Um, wish it was in October. <laughs> we were talking about that before we broadcast. September's a little early, just getting back to school, just getting into peak season. But hey, I get it. We're booked years in advance. Um, looking forward to seeing everyone and seeing what's on the horizon. I think we're in a unique place here. Um, coming off the big boom in 2021, the return to work, and everyone was was flush and just having a great time. Now we're seeing things like we're talking about having to come to the forefront. Um, we cannot rely on the same seasonal spike or seasonal increase or the same old, same old thing. Um, you've got to drive innovations in your business to, to get to that top line and that bottom line that you're looking for. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing everyone at PBSA and, and hopefully digging into going, all right, what does the next 12 to 18 months in our space and our market look like with respect to hiring and these other innovations? Um, we can't control what happens, you know, at the macro level, the economic level, but we certainly can control what we do about it in response. So let's all get together and figure out what we're going to do about it. And, and Vince, you guys are putting on a great event Monday night. Tell us more about that. That, that sounds Oh, fun. absolutely. And if you act right now, for a limited time only. No, I'm going to do full-blown commercial. Do we get a set of steak knives too? Yeah, a set of steak knives with a, a lifetime guarantee until we change the name of the, the steak yes, knife yes. company like Ginsu. Um, yeah, we've got a big event happening on Monday night. Um, just going to go off campus for a little bit. Everyone's invited. I think we've got like 10 or 12 uh, people sponsoring it. It's not just an informed data kind of thing. Um, everyone's welcome to attend and hang out and have a good time. Um, there's nothing quite as riveting as you know, multiple concurrent sessions on uh, FCRA compliance and new drug screening practices. <laughs> it's what I see every year in the, uh, the, the the sessions. So it's a good opportunity to cut loose from that for one night. Connect with peers. We're all going through the same things: good, bad, ugly, right. and different. So um, I've always found that there's more insight you can unlock from people at those kind of events, like Les was talking about, than you can Tuesday at 11 a.m you know, hopefully trying to be quiet in, in the middle of a session. The time to really open up among friends is, is at the events. It's at night. Yeah, and, and there'll yeah. be beer and barbecue, I understand. All you can eat. All you can eat. <laughs> uh, Les, you're, you're speaking on um, Monday and Tuesday? Oh, uh, just, just Monday. So okay. along with uh, Jason, uh, Barry, Nadell, uh, Todd Higby, um, Angela, Preston, and Jason were putting on a uh, uh, Bob uh, Bob Capwell are putting on a, a uh, kind of a bare bones mock trial, kind of a recreation of what would happen if uh, uh, an employer says you missed a record, 
to see this isn't CRA, you missed a record and CRA says, ah, it was the provider's fault. So lots of interesting issues. So kind of, you know, kind of law and order background screening style. So love it. Love it. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm speaking with uh, Nikki Holton from Eli Lilly and Becca Weiser at BlackRock. And the three of us are, are chatting about uh, pain points, challenges for end users. So very, very excited. And I can't think of two better end users uh, in our space to do that with. So I'm, I'm honored that, that they'd like to share a stage with me. Uh, my final thoughts on the conversation, you know, um, agree with Vince, right? This is how, and, and a PBSA, we listen, we learn, we adapt. Um, where I am fortunate enough to sit in the industry is events like that, conversations like these, podcasts and webinars, um, learning, analyzing, observing, and then offering feedback. Um, I know um, uh, Jason Morris, my partner, and I are about to release our Pulse of the Survey, or excuse me, Pulse of the Industry Survey. And there are a couple questions around this topic, particularly. Um, where are those pain points as CRAs? How are third-party fees um, hurting your business? Are end users asking you for new choices or looking for uh, new innovations for you? Um, with regard to how they order and how you guys as CRAs fulfill and deliver uh, consumer reports. So that's really interesting and something um, to be on the lookout for in the next couple of weeks. But I uh, want to thank you guys again, Les Rosen and Vince Brot, for taking 40, 45 minutes to talk about this. I know our audience is going to benefit tremendously from this and looking forward to seeing everybody in Dallas in a couple of weeks. Yeah, looking forward to it. See you guys then. Thank you, guys.